You can increase your business, blow up your revenue by 600% with storytelling. What is going on, my fellow Summit Chasers? Welcome to another episode of the Summit Chasers podcast. This is a really fun one where I learned a ton myself and just such a great person with Mr. Park Howell, who is an Emmy award-winning business storytelling coach and author of Brand Bewitchery. We dive into how you can tell your story to increase sales, increase retention, and improve brand awareness, and so much more. If you're listening to this, make sure you go subscribe to our YouTube channel. It's Summit Chasers Productions to check out more segments that we have and a ton more content. So sit back, get your notebooks out. You're going to want to grab some bulletproof coffee, maybe a whole grain bagel with cream cheese. And if you're feeling like it, put some smoked salmon on there as well and enjoy the show. Very excited for my guest today. We had an amazing first conversation. That was a few weeks ago now, but he is the founder of The Business Story, author of brand bewitchery and co-author of the narrative gym and he's the host of the, the business of story podcast did i get that right you got it right Zach. beautiful mr park howell <laughs> i didn't know that it could do that holy all right wow check out the fireworks that's <laughs> right? awesome that was just for you that was just for wow. you wow park thanks so much for being in here my friend <laughs> that's the first time i've had a celebratory introduction like that before Thanks, Zach. It was all for you. All for you. All for you, my friend. No, I appreciate it. But you're you're in a very, I think it's a very important niche. Uh, you're, you're a master in something I believe is going to be very important. I believe, I believe it's going to be a very big di differentiator. And I think we agree on that, which is storytelling. So I wanted to ask you this question first, but why, mm -hmm. why storytelling? Why is that something that you are so passionate about? Yeah, you know, uh, I probably dates back to when I went to college and I got a degree in music, composition, and theory. Uh, but figuring, Zach, I was probably going to starve as a composer. I also got a degree in communications journalism. I figured I could work in the ad world and maybe write some music on the side. Well, uh, I wrote music on the side for myself. Never made any money at it, but I have had a you know, very, very good career in the advertising world. I've been in it almost, gosh, 40 years. I ran my own ad agency in Phoenix, Arizona for 20 of those years. I liked it for 10 of those years, but uh, early 2000s when e-commerce really took over and digital media kicked in and, of course, social media, to me, as a traditionalist, it kind of, the industry kind of lost its creativity and really lost its way. And like I would tell our clients, you know, said so you own the influence of mass media, talking about radio, print, TV, outdoor, that kind of thing. But as you all know, you know, the masses have become the media. And it's nearly impossible to stand out in this really obnoxious, noisy, crowded world we live in. So I went looking for an answer and I went to Hollywood. Luckily, our middle child, our son Parker, was studying film at uh, Chapman University in Orange, California. Very, very good, prominent uh, film school. And while he was going to school there, this is like 2006, I said, hey, man, send me your books and your recorded lectures when you're done with them. Since, well, I'm paying for them because I want to know what does Hollywood know about storytelling, you know, to stand out in a very crowded, noisy world. That's when I first found The Hero's Journey mapped that to business and wrote a textbook about it, the brand bewitchery that you mentioned before, had a lot of success with it in the branding world. Um, and as I grew my storytelling chops, I had clients do something they had never done with me before. And Zach, they started calling and said, this stuff is amazing. Can you come in and teach it to our marketing team? Can you teach it to our sales team? Can you teach it to our C-suite? 
And it was that teaching that really caught my attention. Even Arizona State University came calling and asked if I'd teach a master's program around it. And that's when I decided I didn't want to be an ad executive anymore, that I really wanted to be a, a, a story coach and consultant for business leaders. And as I like to say, my whole goal now is to help them excel through the stories they tell. And that's with the, with the three frameworks that we teach. Hmm. That's, and it's amazing because there's nothing that will make you more relatable than telling your story right? Especially to those that, that can relate. And maybe they can't relate to the entirety of the story, but there's going to be some aspects that they can relate to it. It also makes you human. So if you're a CEO of a large company or you're a business owner of a small and medium-sized company, your story makes you real to them, makes you, it, it can bring you down to their, communicate on their level in a way. And I really love the the story, the story cycle system that you have. And I kind of, I relate to a lot of it, but there's nine steps, right? There's the backstory, the hero, uh, disrupt, no, the stakes, then disruption. Then you have the villain. And then the mentor, the journey, and then your your victory, and then yeah, at the end you kind of have your the morals, right? Or is it the ritual at the end? Morals, morals. That's very good, Zach. You're pulling that out. That's great. Most people can't pull that off. Yeah, it's ten steps, and the final step is ritual, and ritual. that is meant to be how do you build repeat business and and scale the story that your audiences, your customers have bought into. So well done on that. Oh, I appreciate it. Well, as I was going through it, I think the only, the, one of the reasons I could remember it is because as I tell my story and I tell it more often, it almost kind of naturally, and I didn't do it on purpose, but it kind of almost naturally follows that, that cadence. Maybe I just don't highlight the right parts of it, but it follows that, that kind of cadence. And, you know, I really identified with it. And again, I kind of naturally followed it, but for those where that cadence, those steps, it's not as obvious. Their story isn't as ob obvious to them. Mm -hmm. You know, yeah. there's a lot of people who say, like, there's nothing special about me, right? Well, like, I don't have a story to tell. But th they do, right? So if you have oh, somebody, yeah. again, whether they're a business owner, CEO, or C-suite, or whatever it is, leader, where could they start to generate their story, build their story, when it's not as obvious to them? Yeah, Actually, absolutely. Um, one thing, I, a point I want to make first, when you said you were already kind of doing this, um, I believe it because the hero's journey of which the 10 step story cycle system is based off of is this template, the story that's been around since the very first recorded story of Gilgamesh. And it's something that we can all relate to because it basically we experience the hero's journey every day in our lives from large epic journeys to small little journeys and everything in between. So our brain and, you know, Carl Jung, the famous Swiss psychologist will argue as with Joseph Campbell, the creator of the hero's journey, uh, that we automatically recognize this pattern to story because we live it and breathe it every single day. So that's when I saw that and said, aha, that's, that's why, you know, how we should be using this or why we should be using it in brand narrative. And then where to start on that. And when people say they don't have a story, you're exactly right, Zach. Everybody has a story. And believe it or not, your story's interesting. Other fellow homo sapiens want to hear your story. And the reason being is I believe that storytelling is the very first technology we ever had as cavemen and cave women that helped us not only survive the savannah, but evolve to where we are today. Mm -hmm. And if you want to take on that noise of technology that's out there now, you know, via the interwebs and so forth, use the technology of story. It's like the software that speaks and drives the hardware of our limbic problem-solving, decision-making, buying brain. So if you're looking for your story, what I tell people is don't look for your stories. Go find your scenes. And what I mean by that, find 
three moments in time that your world changed, that a curiosity took you down a path, a passion took you somewhere else. It was a rabbit hole. You had no idea where you were going with it, but it was kind of the way of the universe to guide you down this, to have an aha moment, to find something like, I want to do that. For instance, um, when I was a very, very, very little kid, I was out at Lake uh, Lida in Minnesota visiting my grandpa and grandma. My grandma, Mabel, was this old, <laughs> old grandma, you know, and she was wonderful, marvelous lady. She sat down at the piano one day when I was a little dude. I mean, I must have been not even in kindergarten, maybe kindergarten. And she started playing a ragtime tune on that piano, and it blew my mind. I just sat there thinking this was a piece of furniture. It turns out to be an instrument. And my old lady grandma could knock that out. And she was bouncing back and forth. And Zach, I looked at her and I sat there, God smacked. And I said, I want to be able to do that. So I bugged my parents for several years. And by the third grade, they finally got me a piano. And that's what launched my piano playing, writing, composition career. So that's one little story I tell. Then let's fast forward. Um, I'm getting a degree in advertising. I've got some extra time on my hands. I keep walking by the music uh, school and I'm like, well, I've got some extra time. I could go ahead and just start taking some classes. Well, <clears throat> excuse me, I did. And I graduated with a degree in music before I did for, with advertising. Another, how that old world have come you know, together. Then I jump you know, several decades ahead and here I am now teaching me, uh, story composition and theory to help brands grow, to help sales and marketing teams. So those are three little moments that I can share with people. And when I knit, to, knit them together, it becomes an overarching story. And hopefully I didn't take any longer than two minutes to tell you that. You can tell them very quickly, but it's so important to go and find these moments that have shaped and informed who you are today, knit them together as scenes, and that will tell your story, your, essentially your origin story of why you do what you do. And most people are going to find that fascinating because they can relate to it. They've got a similar story. It may not be you know, about music and it may not be about advertising, but they've got similar scenes in their own life that have come together to you know, inform their character, that overall character arc of what they're doing today. And I think that that exercise in itself, trying to find, like you said, those, even if it's just three aha moments or three moments that, you know, whether they enlightened you or opened up doors for you, that, that's, that's a very good exercise in like self-introspection, right? Like, yeah. okay, I, I, I did this before. So it's almost that, that exercise will give you credit to be able to, you know, allow yourself to create success in the future as well. But also you know, another I thing I took your a, audience with ahead. that. In fact, I did a TED talk on this, a TEDx talk. TEDx Gilbert, and it was about, it was 2018. They can search it online. And I, it's all about find your scenes and your story will find you. And I walk them through that exercise. I show it in, exa you know, in examples of famous iconic characters like uh, Steve Jobs, you know, as an example, um, who talk about these moments that have shaped who they are today. And then I show people how to actually do it. So that's an additional resource people could use if they want to really put that to practice. And we will link that below for sure. I'll, I'll go find that. I'll link that below. I might even use it at the beginning for a little, little highlight reel. Um, don't go anywhere. This is just a really quick word for our amazing sponsors over at Koyos. 
In a world craving customized solutions, Koyo stands out by offering tailored leadership solutions. Their cutting edge AI delves deep into personality insights that empowers leaders and business owners to adapt their approach to each team member's unique psychological profile. What's the result? A surge in motivation and productivity that traditional one-size-fits-all methods, they just can't match. But they don't just stop there. Koyos crafts synergistic teams by bringing together diverse personalities, creating an environment where innovation isn't just something that's encouraged. It's going to be inevitable. Imagine being able to pinpoint exactly what your team is missing to perform at their best. Have a clear understanding of how a new hire will fit in, how to lead and get the best out of them quicker. And as the business landscape evolves, staying ahead means anticipating change. Koyos equips leaders with predictive insights, transforming team dynamics from reactive to proactive. With Koyos, you're not just navigating the future, you are shaping it. Koyos is helping us redefine leadership and unleashing our clients and your team's potential. Start your journey today and lead with confidence tomorrow. Hit the link in the description below and use code SUMMIT10 at checkout to receive 10% off your first three months. Now, back to the episode. But I think the other, another lesson that I kind of take away is I think when they hear, like, tell your hero's story, tell your hero's journey, they, they think, like, Marvel, like, okay, I like Thor, you know, like <laughs> Thor, or, or, they, or maybe they hear, you know, a story of maybe my story is an example of that where, you know, you had to be at rock bottom, and then you had to come through this kind of stuff, or they hear, you know, the Patrick Beck Davids who came from Iran and then started a half a billion dollar insurance business. So they, they think, like, I don't have any stories like that. I don't have like, how am I supposed to inspire? But we, you don't have to, that's not the point of it. The point is to, to relate. The point is to tell how you got to where you are and giving, giving strength and foundation to what you're, what you're giving out right now or, or what you're communicating right now. Am I on, am I yeah. on the right track? Yeah. And so the, the first thing I would tell people too, is don't worry about the hero's journey. That's a big, mm. long story template, and it can get confusing. It's really fun to watch and, 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 and to learn about, but you don't have to become a story theorist to be good at telling your story. So number one, push that to the side. Number two, you know, think about moments. It's all, stories are always about moments in time. Number three, Kurt Vonnegut, you know, very, very famous American author, said, uh, a story is nothing more than a man gets in a hole, a man gets out of a hole. Doesn't have to be about a man. Doesn't have to be about a hole. The world loves that story. So, Zach, mm -hmm. I would imagine when you're telling your story, you know, going rags to riches and that sort of thing, people are most interested in the rags part of that story. They don't, you know, it's great. Applaud you. You have all this great success. The guy from Iran you were talking about has a great success. Fine. But people want to know what did you have to go through? And what did you learn in that conflict, in, during that problem, in that hole that you pulled yourself out of that I can learn? That in case, you know, if it ever happens to me, I know what to do. And when they're telling that story of man, woman gets in a hole, man, woman gets out of a hole, that they're playing again to that problem-solving, decision-making, limbic brain. And you're hacking all the noise out there and you're hooking in that emotional heart because that limbic brain is all about survival. 
It has one job and one job only, the survival of this being. It's all happening in the background, in our subconscious. We don't even realize the choices it is making on our behalf until it levels it up to our conscious mind. And so you want to speak to that con that subconscious mind in your storytelling, and it is mostly inter interested in your trials and tribulations, what you've been through, what you learn in that process, and how you emerged victorious. <laughs> you know, and then mm -hmm. after that, what did you have to go through again? So look for moments. Tell us about a time when things all went south, and how did you get out of it? Those are the stories people really care about. Mm. So then the outcome, so with, with Patrick but David as the example, they don't necessarily care that he's worth a billion dollars now. They just say, okay, that's proof that I can get through this and create something great with my life. It's not necessarily, that's not what they're focused on. They're focused on how did I get out of it? How did I, yeah. how did I come through this, the decisions that I had to make, the triumphs and the, the tribulations, sorry, that I had to right. go through. That, the, the, the outcome is just proof that it can be done. They can't relate to that outcome. You no. know, I mean, it's too big. It's too fanciful. I've, my wife and I have been watching uh, this TV show, Succession. The, what a, what mm. a bunch, of, mm -hmm. bunch of miserable individuals. It's hard to pull for any of them because they're all mm -hmm. sycophants, greedy sons of bitches when it comes right down to it. And, you know, their last night, one of their uh, episodes, they're on this big, fabulous, multi-billion dollar yacht, you know, mm -hmm. out in the Mediterranean somewhere. Well, you can't relate to that, but you can relate to all the BS that they go through and they cause all the problems they cause themselves and those people around them because of their greed, <laughs> because mm -hmm. of, you know, they're, they're, they're kissing up to everybody, you know, uh, above them. And so that's what makes that story interesting. Just to go and see all the wealth they've got doesn't, doesn't matter. It's all the misery they cause and they cause themselves and how they get through it that is actually of interest to us. That's a very interesting show. If you haven't seen it yet, those are watching Succession. It's on Amazon Prime, I think. I no, I had to go to um, HBO Max. Oh, it's on Max. I had to download Max. Max okay. to get it. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's you just can Max get now. the first the first season on Amazon Prime, but then of course they hook you, and at that point you got to subscribe to HBO Max. And you got then and then it gets but season three. I almost three, stopped gotta... watching it, Zach. It was almost like these people are so despicable <laughs> that I don't know. I can't. I'm not polling for any of them. <laughs> yeah, it's a I really know. interesting way to tell a story. And it did get to that point. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Um, but in your story, hopefully whoever's listening to this, your story, that that's not the case. So let's say <laughs> people are listening to this. They, they, they found their three aha moments. They formulated in, into a story following your, your not sorry, your, your 10, 10 kind of steps. Um, now that they have it, how do they utilize it? Right. And you know, outside of the obvious, like in marketing and in sales, you know, it's, it's a little bit more obvious, but outside of that, how do they utilize their story to improve? Cause I've seen some amazing results that you get with your clients. How do they utilize it? Yeah, you know, I, you've got to follow a strategy. So it's not just enough to have these stories in your back pocket and have a library of stories, which everybody should have. But you have to have a very planned strategy on how you're going to use them. I've created this thing called the Storytelling Flywheel. Um, it's just three steps, and it's all based off of, well, you know, Jim Collins came up with the whole flywheel concept back in the day. Bezos famously used it to grow Amazon to where it is today. And um, I just basically said, you know, that's really interesting. How could we apply it in business storytelling so people know when and where to tell what story? And so I pulled off, you know, that whole saying of people, all things being equal, people do business with and refer business pe to people 
they know, like, and trust. Mm -hmm. So I built the know, like, and trust storytelling flywheel. The idea first is you got to be known for something. You're in business, you know, you got to be known for something. What do you stand for that makes you stand out in the world? That's simply just to get that storytelling flywheel going, right? So that's where your origin story comes in. That's where you can use the, the three word and but therefore narrative framework to build out your position statement in the marketplace. What problem do you solve and for whom and how do you solve it? Um, so you really become known. That becomes your tractor beam. That's what brings people in. Then the next one, how do you become likable? Well, it's in the stories you tell. It's not bombarding people with bullet points and charts and graphs and product messaging, you know, and features and functions. It's about telling real world stories about the outcomes that you make in people's lives. You know, Zach, outcomes trump offerings every single time in your storytelling. So tell the stories. You, you would you use that origin story up top to become known for something. Then you want to become more likable. Let me show you my product or service in action and the outcomes. You start building this storytelling bank about, you know, different people. You tell their story. It's like a case study, but it's different. I call it a case story because you're not talking about the company, the brand, or the organization. You're talking about one individual within it who, by proxy, represents the large organization. And why did they come to you? What was the big problem that they were trying to overcome? How did you help them overcome it? What were the problems that got revealed when you were helping them overcome it? Because problems will emerge as you were helping them overcome one problem. It can lead to another. And how'd you get them to the other side? So you start telling stories about outcomes to become vastly more likable. And that leads to being trusted. Wow. Okay, Zach, you know, I know Zach stands for this. And I heard three different stories about what the impact he had on the world over here. And I loved how he told them to me. I feel like I really know Zach. And now I may never have talked to you one time, but I've heard you on your podcast or read your blog or whatever that is. But I'm getting to the point of, I like this guy. I like his character. I like what he stands for. I'm going to give Zach a test run. So I'm going to go and buy something. Maybe it's just I'm opting into a free download you're giving me. I'm actually not spending any money with you, but I am doing going to brand adoption in that I am now investing at least some of my time in you. And as long as you are fulfilling the promises that you make in that know and like trust portion of the flywheel, then they are going to start coming back and spending money with you. They are going to start sharing your story with their world, which leads to the most powerful form of advertising there is. And that's free word of mouth marketing, which makes you more known, doesn't it? Which mm -hmm. leads people to your stories. And these have got to be the stories about outcomes that makes you more likable. And then you help your audience share your story with their world by delivering on the promises that you make in the stories leading up to it. So it depends on where you are in that storytelling flywheel. You can also, when you're, when you're reading Brand Bewitchery, it's a strategy. It's a brand story strategy that when you read through it, you have to start surveying your audiences and understand where they are on their hero's journey with your brand and where you might intersect that hero's journey and come and you know, talk to them, share stories about it to invite them as an active participant into your story. Mm -hmm. So depending on where they are in that journey will depend on what kind of story you're going to tell them. 
If it's at the very beginning of their journey and they know nothing about you, then by golly, you got to tell that origin story. Why do you do what you do? Give us those scenes that inform us of who you are so that we can start building that likability and trust factor. And then as they move into the hero's journey with you and your brand or that's that storytelling flywheel, then your stories about your, the, the impact that you are helping other people just like them make in the world, that's when they come into play. Does that make sense? What? Outstanding. <laughs> no, that, well, that, that, that really resonated with me, really stood out to me is understanding where your audience is at in their story. Like, yep. so if you, if you provide a service, right and you are solving a certain problem where does that problem live in their story and then that's the part of your story that you're almost you're emphasizing it, mm -hmm. it might on the right track you totally are and the thing is when you really can appreciate where your audience is on their journey their hero's journey what stories are they telling themselves about you and your industry that's something else that you've got to think about because sometimes you've got to tell a story to overcome their anti-story maybe they're telling bad stories about you because they just don't know, you know? Mm -hmm. um, let me give you a quick example. I was working over in San Diego in 2016. I was did a workshop at Social Media Marketing World, a 90-minute um, workshop. And this gentleman, Andre Martin Hobbs, came up to me afterwards, a very handsome French-speaking Quebec Canadian, uh, came up and he said, I loved what you did. I, lo I love the story cycle system. I, I'm starting a new car dealership in Quebec and I want to reach out to you in three months or, th or three weeks, I'm sorry, um, to have you come in and help me with that brand story development. And I'm like, car dealership, okay. You know, I was kind of thinking something bigger, something with more per you know, purpose driven and whatever. But I, I said, yeah, give me a call, figuring he would never call. Then he went on to say, oh, and it's a used car dealership. And I'm like, oh, God, do I really want to work with a used car dealership? And then he adds, oh, and it's for at-risk buyers, people that have been decimated by the global recession, or maybe they lost all their money in a divorce, or maybe they had health care issues that drained them dry. He says, these are good people that you know have lost all their money, and I want to help them repair their credit by buying a car. And I'm like, oh, sure you do. So I was telling myself every anti-story in a book. Well, I really want to work with a car dealership. I don't see a lot of, you know, purpose-driven stuff there. A used car dealership. Oh, God, I, I don't think I want to do that at all. Oh, my God, a used car dealership for at-risk buyers. Yeah, I don't want to work with some shark out there that's just, you know, basically taking people, you know. And so I said, give me a call, Andre, in three weeks if you still want to do it. Well, by golly, he called me in three weeks. And I go, oh, geez. Well, at least I'll hear his story. But you can see, Zach, all of the anti-stories. I told myself about this guy, totally judging a book by its cover. I mean, the cover was a handsome French guy. The cover thinking, of his business was, you know. <laughs> I'm thinking immediately Matilda, the dad from Matilda. I didn't mean to cut you off, but that's that. immediately what went to my head. So he, Danny DeVito plays uh, Matilda's dad in, in Matilda, and he was a used car salesman, and he would buy junker cars for $300 and he would put them together with glue and duct tape. He put sawdust <laughs> in the transmission so it was quieter and then sell it for, you know, he put another zero on it and sell it. But that's anyway, sorry. And he's, he's a scumbag. Oh my God. Anyways, so immediately, but immediately it's an, it's an older movie, but immediately the anti-story, like that's what went through my head immediately. So I'm like, so speaking of judging a book by its cover, sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off, but that's just immediately. No, my no, head that, continue. But Zach, that's a great point because we start telling our stories ourselves stories from stories that we know, our own mm -hmm. experiences. So we're on that hero's journey, right? 
Well, Andre did call me. And the more I talked to him, the more I realized what he was really about. It was pretty amazing. He says, Park, my whole mission is to help Canadians repair their credit. And he goes, I've got some really good friends who got wiped out. And I see how they struggled. And I thought, how could I do this? And he had been a race car driver, still is a race car driver, and he had been in the car business. And he said, why can't I just start an auto dealership to get people in the right car that's going to work for them and their budget, have them drive it for two years, make sure they make every monthly payment on time to repair that credit, and then they'll go up the food chain in Canada. And he goes, that's why I created this company. It's called Prate Auto Parte, which means ready, car, go in English. And he doesn't hire any salesmen or women. He hires financial planners. He goes, I don't have to sell a car. When people come in to buy a car from me, we make them go a three hour, through a three-hour financial planning training. And then they have to reveal their entire finances to us, understanding so we can understand what car at what price level that they can actually drive. So they may come in and say, ooh, I want that Camaro over there, you know? And he goes, yeah, sorry, you're going to have to take the minivan. Because that Camaro is going to cost you, you know, 290 a month in payments. That minivan is going to cost you 189 You can afford that. You can't afford that. We're going to put you in that. And then they have their financial people follow up every month for the first three months with in-home visits. How's it going? How's your finances? How are things looking around here? Do you have any problems? What can we help you through? So they literally get Canadians back on their feet. And I'm like, this is an amazing story. And so we landed on their story of what they stand for, Prate Auto Parti, your vehicle to financial freedom. I mean, that is what they became known for. That is what launched their storytelling flywheel. Then Andre did something really brilliant. He went in and he not only told stories, he got his colleagues to tell stories about how they're doing things differently, but he, of course, would get uh, customer stories. And he loaded his website with story after story after story, good and bad. He didn't shirk the bad ones, the ones that it didn't work out for someone. He goes, if you want to post it, you go ahead and post it because we can show exactly why it didn't work out for you. You didn't follow what we told you. Anyways, he goes on. He has like in this this uh, rating site called Bird's Eye. He has over 800 five-star reviews. They're all five stars. There's, there's nothing under five stars. Talking about trust building. So then he gets people to tell those stories, and that makes him better known, more likable and even more trusted. They even had a woman take a uh, bus clear across Canada. It was about a 10-hour bus ride to get to Quebec to be able to buy her car because she had no transportation. That is the demonstration of trust in, in, in activating that no-like-trust storytelling flywheel. And it's one of my favorite to point to because he even changed my story about him. <laughs> you know, once I got in there, really understood what they stood for. And it hadn't occurred to him that that is how they should talk about themselves. So they actually took our brand story development, the narrative development, and that is now a instruction manual for anybody they hire to come into Prate Auto Parte. They have to go through that and actually get trained on how to live into and tell the Prate Auto Parte story. And if they're uncomfortable doing it, then he says, this is probably not the right place for you. See you later and sends them on their way. Oh, and by the way, they have become the largest, fastest growing auto dealership in Quebec. 
in the Quebec territory, and they are now franchising throughout North America the same concept, your vehicle to financial freedom. That's amazing. That is such a great, and it, the story, if you can get really clear in your story and that brand story, that is a great foundation for your company values as well and the principles and totally which, how you hire people, right? What kind of, and like you, you said, what kind of customers you work with as well. Like that's very yeah. powerful. Yeah, that brand story, that little narrative right there, your vehicle to financial freedom is you're absolutely right. It's got to be aspirational. It's got to work both internally and externally. You know, uh, Airbnb did a great job with that, with that belong anywhere. That's meant for their customers. You, you know, stay at an Airbnb home. You feel like you belong anywhere. It's aspirational in that respect. For the hosts that make their home available, you can't make your home available on Airbnb unless you make every single visitor feel like they belong there. And then they can even point internally. If you, you know, with their, their DEI, uh, diversity, equity, inclusion programs, all about belonging. If you don't feel like this is the right place for you in your career, if you don't feel like you belong here, then you probably should go find something else. And it keeps them super focused on how do we make our top talent feel belong, but, you know, so uh, feel like they belong. So that's a really another good example of the Airbnb storytelling flywheel. Mm -hmm. Belong anywhere, launches it, and then all of these stories of belonging that come through to build that trust to make them even more known, better known for what they do. Yeah. I mean, and that plays right. I mean, you're obviously a Jim Collins fan uh, referencing the flywheel a lot, but I mean, that's a big foundation of what he um, depicts as the reason a lot of these companies, why they last for a long time, why they last through time, why they last through economic uncertainties, market shifting, uh, crashes in the economy type of thing is because yeah. they're so clear. It's, it's one, it's not the main, it's not the only thing, but it's a big reason why they last for so long is they're so bought in, everybody's so bought in, and they have these brand stories, the culture, the vision, the principles, and they're all cohesive, both internally and externally in the company. So that's that's an amazing story, especially for small businesses who are trying to, who want to create a business like that, or maybe they mm -hmm. feel lost, they feel like things are starting to fall apart a little bit, there's inconsistencies. But let's say that you have a company who's, you know, you're, you've been around for 10 years, you're somewhere, you know, between 20 and 50 million, um, dollar dollar business and you've you've gotten to this point not necessarily like maybe you're just buying leads right or maybe you, you just have a really good product right but now you're at the point where you're starting to compete in markets with bigger companies that have a a ton of money to throw at branding and marketing right mm -hmm. they have very um very you know cemented brand stories and now you're competing with them what would you what, what kind of outcome and how would you, what would be your first steps for them to implement this, the, the, this type of strategy in itself? And then what kind of difference would that make on their, on their outcome, on their business? Yeah. Well, the first thing I would do is I would have them go and interview some of their customers and it doesn't have to be a lot of them, 15 or 20 of them and ask them, what do you think we stand for? Or in your mind, what do we stand for? and see if they get some sort of consistent answer to that, which they will probably get if they haven't really you know, focused on it. I don't know. I, I love your product. It's a great product. You know, uh, you, They're going to get a lot of commoditized answers if they don't really know truly what somebody or that, that brand stands for. So then I would take that information, or maybe they've got a really clear thing. A lot of them came back in. Two-thirds of them said, well, I feel like you stand for this. Awesome. 
How well are we telling the rest of the world about that? I would get that story completely dialed in. You know, what do we stand for that's going to make us stand out? What are we completely known for? I would start there. Then I, in all those same interviews, I would go back and I would start pulling out customer stories. What works for you? Why do you keep shopping with us? What are the outcomes that you're experiencing because of what we do? You know, and then I would build a library of those stories and I would start, you know, putting them into my storytelling flywheel to then build that trust. And then the third thing I would do with those same interviews, I would ask if we could share those stories with our world. So you get the scaling going out of it. Think of it, have you you've seen those like gyro tops, you know, where they got like the really cool mm-hmm. exterior and then you spin the little uh uh well flywheel on the inside of it, the mm-hmm. gyro inside of it, and it stands up. But if that thing isn't spinning, what happens? It tips over. It, tips over. it can't mm-hmm. stand up. But as soon as you get that thing spinning, the centrifugal force of that wheel enables that thing to stand up there. A great brand can be standing up on its own and maybe it has this centrifugal force of good luck, good timing, right place, right time. Uh, they've got some good business going, but they haven't really been paying attention to their communications or storytelling because maybe let's say they haven't had to. But now all of a sudden competition comes in and competition knows the only way I'm going to compete with that is to be better known as the better provider over what is already owning this market. Well, they start spinning their flywheel and it takes a while for them to catch up, obviously. But that other flywheel and that existing brand starts slowing down because they're not paying attention to it or it's already been slowing down and the thing starts wobbling where the other one comes into play. Right. And then if it wobbles, if that thing stops or near stops, it turns the whole thing over on its side like a brand would happen to a brand. So I think it's really important for brands, whether they're extraordinarily successful right now or they're a mid-market brand trying to build that is to go and pay attention to their storytelling flywheel. It may already be inadvertently spinning for them. They may already be doing some things that are, that are working. They're just not as nearly as efficient or as effective as they could be because they haven't really sat down and put concerted thought into launching that storytelling flywheel and then spinning it faster and faster and enabling it to pick up momentum to your points. Like Jim Collins would say, it does help you overcome competition. It helps you get through downturns in the market. You have this momentum that pushes you on through. Like like Churchill said, if you find yourself going through hell, just keep going. Well, if you're a brand and you're going through hell right now because of market conditions or whatever, keep going through the, with the stories you tell. That momentum will help carry you through into brighter days. That's the lesson in there, the one thing that when, when I'm working with, with my clients and they're in leadership roles or business owners is the understanding that you're always communicating 100% of the time. Even if you're not saying words, even if you don't mean to be, even if you're not in the room sometimes, you're communicating. So that, that's the process or that, that concept of even if you're not out there telling your story as a business, a story is being told. Mm-hmm. You have to go find out what that story is. And it might be, like you said, you might, they might have concocted like your, your customers or clients might have concocted their own stories and it might be positive. It might be in line. But if you're not asking those questions with your, your customers or clients, it could be a story that you absolutely do not align with, or you do not want mm-hmm. being told, right? Or if you want to adjust revenue streams, that story that's being told right now, if you're not aware of it, it might not, you know, it might not be serving 
to this new market or this new revenue stream that you're that you're going into. So that that is amazing advice is just find out what story is being told first. Yeah. Well, Bezos said a brand is nothing more than what people say about you when you're not in the room, which I love that definition, mm-hmm. but I would change it a little bit in this context. And I would say your brand is the story people tell about you when you're not in the room and you better control that story. They better know what your story is mm-hmm. implicitly and have experienced it because they're going to tell it. Yeah. No matter what your story is going to be told, you might, you should, should be the one in control of what the narrative is, right? That's yep. amazing advice, Park. I think that's the mic drop, mic drop moment. <laughs> Speaking of communication, I can't talk now. This has been absolutely incredible. I don't know if you could tell. I was taking notes throughout this whole time. Um, you're, you're an amazing person. Um, I'm excited. I uh, actually ordered your book this morning. I'm excited to get it. Um, I'm excited to learn from it. And I think everybody else, a lot of others should, especially if they're in the leadership, business owner, C-suite executive role. They absolutely should. They should get a hold of all in. Um, put all of your links down below so that they can, because I think this is absolutely important. I think in the future, that's going to be a huge differentiator is the story and your brand um, and the story of which people are telling about you when you're not in the room, mm-hmm. right? But Park, there's a question I ask everybody at the end of these interviews. But for you, Park, what is the next summit that you're chasing, my friend? Uh, the next summit is I want people to really know how to activate this storytelling flywheel. It's something that has just come to me fairly recently because I've been training story and story frameworks for almost 20 years now. I can't believe it's been that long. And we get people equipped to tell these stories and they're out there telling them. And they kind of come back to me with the very first question that you asked on this show. Um, you know, what, where do I tell these stories? You know, how, how do I tell these stories? And I realized they were lacking a simple strategy in order to do it. The 10 step story cycle system is a little bit more involved it's really good for those that are very adept at marketing already and all have an interest in story and story theory. And I felt like we needed a simpler way, a gateway drug, if you will, um, to get people to easily figure out the strategy of telling a story. First, teach them how to tell a story using the frameworks, where to find these stories, and then where to tell these stories. So my work in 2024, Zach, is really going to be about activating this storytelling flywheel so people learn about it, know about it. I've got a book that I'm now writing on it. And again, kudos goes to Jim Collins because he's the guy that came up with the flywheel. And I'm like, okay, that's great operationally, you know, but it does play the communications big time. So how could we show people how to refresh their thinking around that flywheel concept or use that flywheel concept Mm -hmm. basically for their storytelling to be way more effective, build more revenue, way faster because i think that's pretty much what everybody's after these days speed to revenue uh, absolutely absolutely and i think that's a very intelligent concept to kind of latch onto, which is the flywheel because that can be implemented in a lot of different uh, a lot of different disciplines is the concept yeah. of the flywheel what do you need to build the start to build the momentum what do you need to get it moving and then build the momentum and then keep it going right um amazing amazing park but 30 seconds heck even take a minute where can people find you plug whatever you want to plug Oh, well, thank you. Well, if they would like to start activating their flywheel, have them check out the and but therefore the ABT course. It's a micro training course, one hour on Thinkific. They'll find it at businessofstory.com forward slash ABT. 
get that framework down and all other storytelling is based off of that. That's where I'd send them. And if they'd like to follow me, you know, come on over to my, my podcast, business of story dot uh, business of stories, the name of the show. You can find it anywhere. Podcasts are been doing it for eight years. Uh, weekly show to feature story artists from around the world to help you become a better storyteller in business and organizational communications. And then finally, if they want to follow me on LinkedIn, I do a lot of posting there and they'll just find, I got a weird name, Park Howell. So it's easy to find me there. LinkedIn, what, .com forward slash in dot Park Howell. Um, follow me there. That'd be awesome. And I highly recommend everybody doing it because there's a lot of intellectual people that are watching this. They're very smart at what they do. They're subject matter experts, but you could be a 10 out of 10 intellectually. But if you communicate at a three and people are bought into what you're doing at a three, you're a three, you're not a 10. So you're doing yourself an injustice. You're doing your customers the, the passion and the problem that you're solving an injustice without the ability to properly communicate it and draw people in to solve their problem. So Park, I really appreciate you. I can't wait for people to see this. And uh, until next time. Zach, thanks so much, man. It's been an honor. Thank you for watching this episode of the Summit Chasers podcast. I really hope that you enjoyed, you were inspired, you learned something that you can use to go and chase whatever your next summit may be. Be sure to like and comment your takeaways from the episode below. Also, follow us on all social media platforms under Summit Chasers Network. And if you're watching this on YouTube, be sure to turn on your notifications so you can be notified when we drop new content like how-to videos, business best practices, motivation, and personal development strategies. And until next time, keep chasing your summit. I'll see you on the next one.